This is Crossroads, the Get Religion podcast. It is my hope that all of us would teach our kids, and not only to remember, just refuse hate. Don't hate anybody. I I refuse to hate someone because they are Mexican or because they are black or white or LBGTQ. I refuse to hate someone because they are a police officer. I refuse to hate someone because they are Asian. So anyone who wants to meet me in the middle to refuse hate, to refuse blanket judgment, and to help lift someone's feet off the ground, this one is for you too. God bless you and thank you, Academy. I appreciate it. Thank you. That is Hollywood polymath Tyler Perry accepting the Gene Hirschhold Humanitarian Award at the Oscars this week. Oddly, the least watched Oscars in U.S. history. How did the media explain the fall of the Oscars? Less than 10 million Americans watched them. Greetings and welcome to Crossroads with Terry Mattingly. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for tuning us in. Terry Mattingly is Senior Fellow at the Overby Center at the University of Mississippi. He's author of the weekly On Religion column for the Universal Syndicate and the book Pop Goes Religion, and he's founder and editor of Get Religion. Terry, welcome back. Glad to be here. Is the fall of the Oscars, is it a good story or a bad story for Christians other than conservatives who are already writing Hollywood off? Huh. It's good and bad. I'm sorry to have to say that. There's actually at least two or three different levels to this really stunning collapse in Oscar numbers. And while everybody can look at this year's like a 50 to 60 percent fall in the numbers and say, oh, that was because of COVID, you have to look back the last four or five years before this one and notice the astonishing collapse in Oscar show ratings that was already well underway. So this, this divide symbolized by Oscar ratings has several different levels to it. And I would argue that conservatives will be tempted to cheer, like, yay, somebody we stuck it to Hollywood, that they really need to pause for a moment and think about what's actually going on here with the collapse in Oscar ratings. And I think they'll find that the the message for traditional religious people and kind of the other half of America is actually much more complex, and some of it is disturbing even. So tell us a little bit about the the so-called fall of the Oscars. It It isn't something well, that's just a, a little decline in ratings. It's a really big decline in ratings. Yeah. I think most people would say that this is a divide centering on disagreements between what Hollywood views as excellence versus the movies and films that the great masses of Americans prefer to support with their dollars and their time. And this is often discussed in terms of being a battle between superhero comic book movies and adult films for people who think about real issues in real life and care about what's going on in America and don't want escapism. And this is something that I've been hearing people in Hollywood talk about for something like 20 years, and they use a baseball analogy for it, that they would say that studios today to stay in business, they they no longer have money for what they would call 
doubles and triples in baseball. They have to go for just solid singles, which are defined as small budget films that basically are attempting to get small audiences, small but dependable audiences. And then the opposite of that is what they would call a home run, which is where you invest millions and millions of dollars in a superhero flick or series or tentpole movies like that. And then you get millions of dollars out of it. And the general thinking is that the superhero movies are global hits and they express a kind of neutral cultural value. And then they would see the singles culture, the, and I don't mean the single adults, I mean singles in the baseball sense, smaller budgets aiming at smaller but dependable niche markets. And then you go after them, and if you hit lots of singles, you, you can end up making money. And they're especially intrigued with what happens when you make a film for like $10 million and you suddenly make $150 million. I mean, and the classic example of this, I'm going back a couple of decades, the all-time example that people in Hollywood still talk about from time to time is My Big Fat Greek Wedding, which, you know, was made for like nothing. Then Tom Hanks and his Greek Orthodox wife bought it cleaned up the editing a little, got a better soundtrack, and the thing made millions and millions of dollars. Okay, so you've got the the world of the big multiplex home runs versus the kind of the respected world of the, the singles hit at niche media. Todd, do you remember a, a couple of years ago there was a saying that got some press where they were it was one of Hollywood's most recent fascinations with the potential for Christian market movies. And this was, of course, in the wake of um, Mel Gibson's, you know, The Passion of the Christ. That one made gazillions of dollars for very little money. But there have been several other films since then that they're really intrigued with the potential for hitting singles at a religiously traditional audience. And you're not risking much money, and you have a potential large gain. There was a phrase used, I think it was about a decade ago, this phrase was going around, that Christians were the new gay. And what they meant by that was it took a while for Hollywood to realize that there was an LGBTQ niche market for films that explicitly went after that audience and didn't just support their beliefs of their values, but actually featured them in major roles and the stories for these low-budget singles. Once again, to use that baseball analogy, these niche market films, these independent films, they were going after that. And someone said, well, why don't we, look at all these millions of people, why don't we make some niche films for Christians? And one of the ones that was talked about in that way, you'll probably remember because it won an Oscar, and one of the big Oscars was the movie The Blind Side, you know, which had a Christian family in it, not as much as in real life, but you still you had prayers and you had people at a Christian school acting on Christian motives and you know and doing the right thing, and it made millions and won an Oscar. But stop and think about it. Who's making these movies?
who's still in control of greenlighting the scripts and everything. Well, the second thing is behind the Oscar collapse is a very interesting number in the fact that the audience fell off among younger adults, like 30 and under, the audience went way down. And you would think, with all the stereotypes of younger millennials and Gen Z and everything, you would think that they would really be into these politically correct movies and the messages about inclusion, you know, and LGBTQ rights and race. You think, I mean, isn't that who you assume would watch the Oscars now? Would be younger viewers? Just take a guess on that. Is that your point of view? Well, yeah, I think they have the time to actually see the movies. Yep, they have the times, and they probably have seen a lot of the ones that went straight to video online and streaming services. But there's an interesting problem there. This group of people is highly, highly caught up in video game culture. And there's some evidence that they aren't watching as many movies as they used to and they're not showing up to watch the Oscars because their world now evolves around strictly streaming, strictly these longer series on Netflix and whatever else, and the big elephant in the living room, video games. I mean, it's, it's enough to affect the ratings for the NFL, for Pete's sake. So you've got divides here. You have is the collapse of the Oscar ratings is this Hollywood versus America, or is this politically correct message film Hollywood versus the Avengers and Superman versus Batman, or is this Hollywood versus video games in terms of people's time and money and interest? And the point I would like to make here is it's not Hollywood versus those other things. All of those streams of entertainment and media are essentially contained within the world of big tech and within the world of the bigger, larger Hollywood. What anywhere near conservative or red zip code interests are involved in the making of the multi, multi-million dollar tentpole movies most of the, the vast majority of the small independent films, or the world of video games culture. What influence do cultural conservatives and religious people have in any of that? That's why the speech by Tyler Perry at the Oscars this year was kind of fascinating in the sense that if you were going to look at any person who has risen in the last couple of decades outside the Hollywood mainstream, and who has made religion an explicit part of his movie formula, and a lot of it explicitly Christian stuff, wouldn't it be Tyler Perry? And what do the critics who love the world of independent message movies and stuff, what do they think of Tyler Perry? They hate him. They think he's crude. They think he's simplistic. They think he's telling emotional fairy tales to appease the black audience and to appeal to some white audience. In, in short, a lot of his appeal is to the black church and to black middle America. 
so Tyler Perry got an award the other night, and I thought it was really kind of interesting because the last thing in the world Tyler Perry is ever going to get is an Oscar for one of his films or the performances in them, even when the late, great Cicely Tyson was lighting up the screen in some of his movies. They don't respect Tyler Perry except as a kind of humanitarian. And then he got up and... If you've read the reactions to his speech, he made a lot of people very, very mad. But I even think cultural conservatives should analyze what Tyler Perry said and what part of it people rejected. Because, you know, he told this parable about his mother and growing up in the Jim Crow South and how his mother taught him to reject hate. And let me read, read the section of the key section of the speech. She taught me to refuse blanket judgment. I refuse to hate someone because they're Mexican or because they are black or white or LGBTQ. And at this point, the audience is applauding. Then he says, I refuse to hate someone because they're a police officer. I refuse to hate someone because they're Asian. At that point, the reaction is getting a little bit more mixed. He was kind of going pro-diversity. And once again, notice, even though his films include a lot of traditional and conservative Christian messages, even in some cases about marriage and sexuality. And of course, no one wants anybody to hate LGBTQ, at least no one in most of mainstream American religion. But what really created controversy was him saying he doesn't want to hate anyone because they're a police officer which to some degree shows that Tyler Perry and his good friend, Oprah, to some degree, Tyler Perry and Oprah represent the middle. And when Tyler Perry says he wants people to come stand in the middle with him, and the middle is where compromise occurs, and the middle is where you make progress, and some of the reactions to his speech have been blistering, the culture critic at NBC had this to say, that the Tyler Perry conversation in the middle sounds great, but then get this. When dealing with issues of systemic racism, however, that model is lacking. If one side is denying the humanity of the other and the conditional understanding of humanity is built into the laws and culture of our country, the middle is still going to be a good way short of anything resembling justice. Moreover, in practice, at least where Hollywood is concerned, standing in the middle usually means never carrying your convictions far enough to create meaningful change. So this is NBC critiquing not only Tyler Perry, but critiquing Hollywood from the left, saying that Hollywood hasn't gone far enough in the name of kind of multicultural understanding of America's as you know, a deeply, deeply stained, sinful nation. Whereas someone like Martin Luther King Jr. chided America for failing to live up to its values and failing to live up to its heritage and its roots and, and even its faith. That's not what we're hearing now. So I, I think it was a much more complex moment than people like to think it was. I don't know how many Christians who are very familiar with their message would think of Tyler Perry and Oprah as the middle of American culture. But, you know, in reality, they are. So, Terry, I spoke recently with uh, Pastor Ted Geese, who does movie and film and pop culture reviews 
for us. And uh, he noted, having watched the Oscars, that the only mentions of the deity, God bless or God bless you or something like that, came from the African-American recipients of awards or Mm -hmm. the moderators there. What are your thoughts? Well, I think that's pretty normal at this point. And if they had been able to give you know, the award to Chadwick Boseman, I think you would have heard him make very explicitly religious remarks, just as he did at the, the tribute to Denzel Washington um, about a year before his death, a year or less before Chadwick's death. And I think at this point it's established that the mainstream audience for black film is actually a very middle American audience which is not the same thing as, say, the black activist community of New York or L.A. So I I think that's an interesting observation, and that's part of the tensions surrounding someone like Tyler Perry, who explicitly goes after a black audience, but it's the wrong black audience, you know, from the viewpoint of Hollywood. So there has been a lot of ink spilled over the decline of the Oscars did all of the various media outlets, did they come to the same conclusion? Well, they picked different divides. A, a lot of people said that this was a divide, between, as I said, between Hollywood, the, the films Hollywood respects, the tiny little movies that hardly anybody goes to see except Hollywood, and it's kind of elite, critic-driven media. Frankly, a, a lot of films that, average Americans don't see anymore. So they, why would they show up and watch the uh, the Oscars celebrating films they, that they, they haven't even seen? Whereas the movies they have seen are these gigantic tentpole multiplex home runs, the, you know, the giant superhero comic book movies, which Hollywood has to make to make money, but they don't really respect. I mean, one of the last of those movies that ended up getting respect at all would have been the Lord of the Rings series, which finally, you know, by the third movie, Hollywood had to kind of tip its hat and bow in that direction. So the critics picked different divides, but the point I'm trying to get across here right now is even if it's elite Hollywood versus superheroes or elite Hollywood versus middle America or elite Hollywood versus video games, who representing red zip code America, who representing religious America, who's making any media that has a realistic alternative voice that has a chance to to have success in the marketplace? There's almost nothing. Is there anything that we can learn? You were talking earlier about kind of niche filmmaking. Yeah. Is there anything we can learn from the chosen TV series based on the life of Christ? Well, yeah, that's a really interesting case because the numbers for the chosen are really quite interesting. I thought of that too. And and I went and looked up to see, well, what are the critics saying about the chosen? And Julia Dean wrote a piece for Get Religion about this recently. The chosen's second year came out and got almost zero mainstream media attention, in spite of quite large audiences. In other words, this is a large niche. And if you go to see 
to try to find critical responses to the chosen. There aren't any. It's being totally ignored by Hollywood. Maybe there are people in the background going, well, it's making money. And the old saying in Hollywood was that if you send a, if you want to send a message, call Western Union. Hollywood is supposed to be interested in making money. But when you look at that Oscar night, was Hollywood celebrating any movies that made lots of money? Not that I could see. No. No. Hollywood still wants to love what it wants to love and wants to respect what it wants to respect. If Hollywood was trying to salute money makers and stuff, you'd be seeing Oscars for these gigantic superhero movies. They'd be trying to pick out the best ones somehow and somehow finding a way to send some statues that direction. To repeat, that's what I meant when I'm saying they would never give Tyler Perry an Oscar. You have to give him a humanitarian award, and even then it's controversial because he's the wrong kind of diversity. He's the wrong kind of black audience. It's the wrong kind of niche films because he's he is interested in what the black church thinks of his films. He is interested in crossing over somewhat to middle America white audiences to the best of his ability. And he'll go on Oprah as a way to reach them, you know, his long friendship with Oprah. So this is a very complex story. But my point is that cultural conservatives are doing next to nothing other than something like The Chosen, which I would applaud, because it does seem to have a lot of quality to it. I'm haunted by a speech given two decades ago by one of the founders of modern conservatism, the late Catholic deacon Paul Wyrick, one of the original creators of the moral majority. And I went and heard him do a speech at a major convention for homeschool people. And you would think of homeschools as kind of the the dropout from American society, the people who are really rebelling against the mainstream. But what I thought was fascinating is during that speech, he kept pointing out, we can't just try to win at politics. At some point, we're going to have to create culture that appeals to actual Americans. And listen to this quote. If we totally drop out, we aren't going to produce any alternative voices in American life. We won't have any humor or music or movies or literature or anything else that Americans will be able to turn to when this culture hits bottom. We really can't afford to become the new Amish. That would be a disaster for us and I believe for America. So ask yourself the question that you and I have talked about before. How many Christian colleges in America have degrees in screenwriting? I think it's three. How many Missouri Synod Lutheran universities have strong film programs in which people are taught how to make mainstream films that in some way represent the worldview and the mission of their schools and the people that support them? and are interested in even reaching middle America? Probably not many. 
how many major evangelical schools like Wheaton and Taylor and Gordon, how many of them have mainstream movie departments? None. So my point here is there's a more complex story that needs to be told here. How did half of America drop completely out of the process of creating culture that's supposed to appeal to Americans in general? It's a very complex story. It's a church story. It's an education story. It's a mass media story. Today it's an Internet story, but it's part of of what made the, the collapse of the Oscar numbers so interesting and a serious topic to think about. Terry Mattingly is Senior Fellow at the Overby Center at the University of Mississippi. He is author of the weekly On Religion column for the Universal Syndicate and the book Pop Goes Religion. He's founder and editor of Get Religion. Terry, thanks. Glad to be here. I'm Todd Wilkin. I'll talk with you next week. Thanks for listening to Crossroads with Terry Mattingly. Crossroads is a production of Get Religion, part of the First Amendment projects at the Overby Center at the University of Mississippi. If you appreciate this podcast, please make a secure online tax-deductible donation at getreligion.org.